This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. I've been working on the farm all day. Came in to、uh, edit a video and to chat with you. And、uh, who knows what I'll do next? Well, you know,、um, I'm pretty sure by now most people know that you wrote the forward in the book. Um, um, I just wanted to thank you always for you know, just coming on. And do you want to just talk a little bit about,、um, I guess, your book and just、uh, you know, why, why are you sharing? You, know, you could be a doctor and share in your communities, but you know, why are you sharing publicly? Well, I, I wrote this little book called Lies My Doctor Told Me, and、uh, it, it's been doing pretty well. I never imagined that it would do this well. I think that it, it, it's through no part of the quality of the book. I think it's because people are ready for a fresh truth, they're, they're ready for information that actually works. And as I've told other people, for the first decade of my medical practice, I gave terrible nutrition advice. I was the doctor that would yell at you and tell you to eat less and move more and join the gym and join Weight Watchers. And、uh, I just thought all my patients were lazy and non compliant. But when I started to get fat, that's when I started to apply what I'd been telling all my patients. And it didn't work for me either. And I had to admit that I was being compliant because I lived with me. I, I knew what I did and what I didn't do. I couldn't accuse myself of non compliance. And so it was at that point I had to figure out what the heck. You know, I've been, I've been causing harm for the last 10 years in my medical practice. And so that's why I'm so active on social media, is I've, I've basically committed to undoing the, the harm that I gave, did by giving bad nutrition advice the first half of my medical career. Do you ever, you know, I always hear, because I'm not a registered dietitian, I'm, a, you know, so there's, I have a certification, but I'm not governed by a specific body, but you are. So do you ever get worried that you're, you know, you'll get your license taken away for maybe, you know, going against the mainstream medical, you know, guidelines? Yeah, I've actually had several、uh, conversations with the Tennessee State Medical Board.、Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, there's an open investigation、oh, right、wow. now.、Okay. Because 
uh, I posted on Twitter a few months back that every uh, diabetic can uh, will will need less insulin if they eat keto, and uh, I guess there was an accusation that I said that diabetics don't need insulin if they're if they're on keto, and I'm like, no, go back and read the tweet. It was very clear. Uh, both type one and type two diabetics will use less insulin if they if they eat a ketogenic diet. Uh, type two diabetics will use zero insulin, which is less than their current amount, and type one diabetics will use anywhere from 80 to 90 percent less. This is this is basic human physiology. This is not heresy, and so that that investigation is still ongoing. I don't know if they'll um, dismiss it as they should, or I don't I don't know if they'll try to make an example out of me. Either way, I could care less because uh, I can I can impact more people's lives with YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter than I could ever impact seeing 30 or 40 patients a day in the clinic and so my job is is to be a healer and a teacher and i feel like that the the power of social media has given me an exponentially increased ability to reach people and to help people people i've never met people on other continents i've been able to help them with their type 2 diabetes and other chronic medical conditions and so I wouldn't mind at all if the Tennessee State Medical Board decided to make me the American Tim Noakes or Gary Fetke. I, I, if that's what they think they want to do, then I guess we'll do it. Well, at least, you know, I think the silver lining is, I mean, one, that you are helping all these people online. And then, you know, Twitter records everything. So the actual tweet is out there and it doesn't say what they're accusing you of. And so if they do, you will just get more support because it's not true. Um, so yeah. if we were to just, you know, have someone, because I, there's a lot of people in mainstream and just that say that, you know, eating a meat-based diet, uh, eating a high fat diet is just really bad for you. Um, if someone were to just start the diet, where would you recommend, you know, cause there's all these like complicated rules, like where would you recommend yeah. that people start and that can start, start seeing su success before getting into all these little nuances? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a great way. It's a great way for people who are starting to change the way they eat to think. So, you probably know that I consider the carnivore diet to be on the spectrum of a proper human diet. So I think it can range all the way from veg-heavy uh, vegetarian with with uh, eggs and fish and and dairy uh, with lots of veg, and it can range all the way up to just a pure red meat carnivore diet. I think on that spectrum. Is a, is a diet that fits every human being on the planet, regardless of age or medical condition. So what I would recommend, if somebody's never tried keto, low-carb, ketobore, carnivore, I would, I would do these five steps, and they're very easy, they're free, there's no subscription fee, there's no copay, there's no prior authorization. Step one, get rid of all sugar from your diet, all of it. Definitely the added sugar, whether you added it or the chemical factory added it but also really minimize the naturally occurring sugars, uh, especially in fruit juice and fruit juice smoothies. Get rid of that. That's not health food. That's just as unhealthy for you as a Pepsi Cola. Uh, so step one, get rid of all sugar. Step two, get rid of all the grains. Human beings have been eating grains as a substantial portion of their diet for about one-tenth of one percent of our time on this planet as human beings. Uh, the grains are a great food if you're starving. 
If you don't want to starve to death and die, you should eat grains, yes. But if you can do better than grains, you should do better than grains. Uh, grains are nutrient void. They're very inflammatory. Uh, the, the, the minimal amount of nutrition that is in grains is typically locked up by the phytates and the lectins and the glutens and other things where it's basically a net loss, plus you get some inflammation to boot. So get rid of all the grains, rice, oats, corn, wheat, amaranth, millet, quinoa, all of them. Get rid of all of them. None of them are a, a health optimization food. Step number three is get rid of all the vegetable oils, the shortening, the margarine, the canola, the soybean, the peanut, the sunflower, all that stuff. All of it has a very bad omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. It oxidizes very rapidly. Uh, it's not something that you want inflaming your body. Step four eat lots of fatty meat. And now this can be seafood, this can be shellfish, crustaceans, fish that swim in the sea, it can be poultry with the skin on, or it can be ruminant red meat. Any of those I think is completely fine. It can be monogastrics, you can eat pigs and, and, and horses and cats and dogs if you want to. It's up to you, I don't care. Whatever, whatever animal that you can have a taste for or can develop a taste for, Meat is a part of a proper human diet. I don't, I don't think it's optional. I don't think you can have optimal health on the most well-formulated vegan diet on the planet with every supplement that you could think of to take. I still don't think you're going to have optimal health for years and years to come unless there is a substantial portion of fatty meat in your diet. And then step five is uh, subscribe to Judy's YouTube and read her book and and follow her Facebook and mine and other people and continue to learn as you repeat steps one, two, three, and four each and every day of your life. And each day you do those steps, you'll do them a little better today than you did them yesterday. And you're going to do them better tomorrow than you did today. That's good. Um, I totally agree with you. So I'm going to get a little nuanced now. Um, I'm sure there's some people that have been keto and carnivore that then now kind of plateau. And so I'm um, just going to ask you, for the people, um, there are some people that lose weight, they lose, um, you know, most people do get off their diabetic medications, their insulin, and then they notice that they start plateauing. And so the argument becomes um, like, there's people outside of the space that will say, well, your insulin is too low, because you need glucose for it to drive the, ins you know, it into insulin, and then for insulin to move. Um, so you're probably messing up your thyroid or your hormones. Um, like um, eating a ketogenic diet will produce higher cortisol levels and it's just too much energy on these cells. And then another set of people also complain that, hey, this high fat diet is now making me plateau. I may have lost a little bit in the beginning, especially if I was obese, but now I'm not really losing what's going on. So your thoughts on both of those? Yeah. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Yeah, so the way I understand human physiology is it's virtually impossible to eat enough fat to make you gain fat. Uh, but, but with that being said, that's my personal experience and my, my personal understanding of human physiology at this moment. But I'm not opposed to a high-protein, moderate 
fat diet at all. Uh, Dr. Ted Naiman's PE diet and, and other people out there who recommend a higher protein, more moderate fat. We all agree on what I think is the, the cornerstone issue, and that's, that is that your carbohydrate intake should be very, very low. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, so what about the sort of stress on the hormones? Um, do you agree with that? Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't seen that in my okay. clinical practice. I was recommending a ketogenic diet for the last uh, eight or nine years, and I checked lots of lab work. I checked more lab work than any other doctor in, in, in the nine-county area, and I would get calls routinely from United Healthcare and Blue Cross mm -hmm. Blue Shield saying, why are you checking all these labs? You, you check like 90% more labs than anybody else. And I never saw any evidence of this adrenal problem or this thyroid problem. Uh, indeed, I've seen multiple people with Hashimoto's thyroiditis and with hypothyroidism be able to reduce the amount of thyroid hormone replacement that they need. I have not, I've never seen anybody, not a single person, thrown into hypothy or Hashimoto's or, or hyperthy for that matter because they were eating a very low carbohydrate diet. I just haven't seen that in my personal practice. And I agree. So in my clients, um, the, it's the same thing. So the people that do have, what I'm noticing in the community are the people that do feel like they have uh, issues with their hormones or low thyroid or hypothyroid functioning. It's because they're under eating. So I always say that, yep. you know, the ketogenic diet makes you never feel hangry. And when you don't feel hangry, then you're like, oh, well, if I have to eat based on how I feel, well, I never feel hungry. And so I'm never going to eat, right? And then that's what if you're under eating calories that can drive your thyroid to imbalance. And so that's where I see it. Yep. So I agree with you in my actual clients that eat like a normal amount of calories, macros, and however they want to fit their macros, but they don't have the issues of thyroid. So I think people are extrapolating and I just wanted to kind of get your opinion. So it's yep. No, I, t I totally agree with you. That's why I'm very clear to, with people. If you're eating a, a fatty meat, heavy ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet, one of the rules is you, you are to eat. If you're hungry, you should eat and you should eat until you're comfortably stuffed. And when you're comfortably stuffed, you should stop eating. That's, I think that uh, replicates how we did it, our entirety on this planet. I think that's how every other mammal on the planet does it. Uh, but there are many of us who bring our past baggage yes. with us. Of You know, mom told me to only eat a palm-sized portion of this, and I need to count this, and I need to weigh this. None of that stuff is ancestrally appropriate for human beings. No other, no other animal on the planet measures its food or weighs its food. It eats until its belly is stuffed, and then it stops. And that's what we should do, too. And I think if someone is chronically starving themselves, so if they're eating keto, but yet they're still uh, portion controlling or calorie restricting, that's going to raise cortisol, no doubt about that. Yeah, because you're in a stressful mm -hmm. situation of semi-starvation. So, yeah, you're going to do that, and that could uh, bring on a cascade of other hormone abnormalities and that's why it's so important to, to listen to your body and eat until you're comfortably stuffed do you have an opinion on fasting and omad or too mad or do you think just whatever works for you yeah yeah i think i think it's a very powerful tool but i, I think it's an optional tool i think some people will go keto carnivore uh, they don't think about fasting they eat their three meals a day with no snacks in between and they're totally fine and they reap all the benefits that they were looking for Others of us are so satiated by the, the fat and the protein that uh, it happened naturally for me. I looked up one day and it was 2.30 p.m. And I was like, 
I forgot to eat lunch. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I just, I was very productive right there. Didn't even realize that I skipped a meal. And I think for many people, it just comes effortlessly like that. I, I don't think a big deal should be made out mm -hmm. of fasting. I'm a great uh, fan and friend of Dr. Jason Fung. I think he's on to a lot of important information and, and shares a lot of the information for free and in his books. Uh, but I think it, that, that I think it's a very powerful tool, but it's optional. I don't think many people have to even get that tool out of the toolbox, but it's always there if you need it. And I think most people who eat a, a high fat, moderate protein or high protein, moderate fat, they're so satiated that fasting just becomes almost an unconscious part of their life uh, on a daily basis. I either eat OMAD or, or TMAD every day. That's just, that's our life. And depending on social and family and work, I might have one meal today, two meals tomorrow. But I think that also kind of mirrors how we've lived on this planet. You know, I don't think ever uh, before, what, 200 years ago, where we guaranteed three meals a day with snacks in between. I think that was just a great day if you got that. But there are many, many days that that didn't happen. And don't forget, uh, not too many decades ago, children were routinely sent to bed without supper if they were naughty children. That was standard practice for parents. And none of those children died. None of them developed thyroid problems or adrenal problems. They, they did just fine skipping that meal. And so I think fasting is very powerful if people choose to implement that and add that to their, their low-carb way of eating. Bringing up children, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, a lot of dietitians and nutritionists believe that keto is so bad for children and that you're setting them up for yeah. an eating disorder. So what's your opinion yeah. on that? Yeah, I think that's dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I won't be so succinct. I'll be less pithy. How about that? So medical and nutrition science is in this, the weirdest spot. It has to feel so weird for people who are still trying to count calories and tell you to eat lots of whole grains. Basically, what you're saying and what I'm saying is that rocks are hard and that water is wet and, and that, you know, when the sun shines, it's daylight outside. We're, that's what we're saying. We're that, like, literally, keto is meat and veg. That's what we're saying. Meat and eggs and, and veg and cheese and eggs. But yet that's somehow, so that's stuff we've been eating for our entirety of time on this planet. Like water is wet and rocks are hard. But then they want to come up with, you know, new 5C and say, oh, meat, maybe, I don't know if you should eat that much meat. Uh, I don't care if you found some, did some little weird test on a rock and found out, oh, it's got this little soft spot. Rocks are still hard, and they will hurt you if someone throws it at you, you know. So it's it's got to be so weird for them to have to be looking for all this minutia that they can, they can bring up to object and say, oh, too much meat. Mm, I don't know, TMAO, you know, I don't know if it's safe or not. It's, it's all foolishness because what they just, they need to just sit down and shut up and say, no, Dr. Barry and Judy Cho are right. Rocks are hard and water's wet. And during the daytime, it's, it's bright outside and meat and veg is the proper human diet. I mean, how can you even argue that? So when, um, you know, I have a lot of parents that'll come to me and say, well, my kid is really picky. Um, so they don't like mm. meat or they don't like the texture of meat. So what would you, and so in the very beginning, they're like, so that's why, you know, we're going to practice the pincher grasp and give them little green puffs. But, you know, what would be your kind of advice for them? Yeah. Yeah, Beckett practiced his pincher grasp with little pieces of uh, beef rib. Uh, that, that's what he practiced, practiced his with. So uh, there's, there's lots of research about this. For the first two years of a child's life, 
first three years, really, they'll eat whatever you hand them. And so the 99% of the reason that, that certain children are so picky, which uh, picky is AKA, I just only want Lucky Charms and chocolate milk, right? The reason that they're so picky is because that's what they were handed to them during the first three years of their life. That's why. Now, and there also the research shows that at about the age of three up to the age of eight or nine, kids can become super picky. And by picky, what that means is, is they only want to eat the things that you fed them during the first three years of their life. That's what that means. And so what parents are seeing when their child is very picky and only wants crackers and, and squeeze cheese they're seeing a reflection of their parenting for the first three years of that child's life. And I'm very sorry. I'm not trying to be offensive to any parent. I'm a parent. I've made many mistakes. Uh, but that's, that's, what, that's what the science says. And so Beckett's first food that he ever put in his mouth was a beef rib that I had eaten the meat off of. And I handed him the rib. And he was old enough to reach out and take it. He was old enough to sit up straight by himself. He was old enough to bring it to his mouth. And he, as, as you know, babies have an excellent gag reflex. If they, if they don't get something just right, they'll gag it right out. That's not choking. Gagging is not choking. Those are two different things. But many parents don't know that. So if, the, if they see the baby gag, they're like, oh, he's choking. Oh, it's, he's too young. He can't have that. That's, that's not uh, anatomically correct at all. So the first, Beckett has never had a, a one flake of a grain in his entire life. He, he doesn't know what wheat is or oats, or rice. He's never seen them, much less eaten them. And so what I'm betting on is when he gets to be three years old, he's going to become very picky, which means that he's only going to want to eat the foods that were introduced to him during his first three years, which are bacon, eggs, cheese, sausage, uh, beef ribs, any kind of steak, any kind of uh, every seafood I put in his mouth he loves. He'll go to the refrigerator, and he'll point to the door and say, oh, oh, oh. That means olive. He wants an olive. And we have blue cheese stuffed olives in the, the refrigerator door. And I will give this 18-month-old child a blue cheese stuffed olive that he has just baked for, and he will chow down on that. He also loves to snack on capers, avocado occasionally. He likes strawberries. That, that's the sweetest thing that's ever been in his mouth is a raw strawberry. So he's going to become very picky when he's three, Judy. Well and he's only going to want certain foods, but they're not going to be those little puffs and the little lucky right. charms and the little fruity pebbles because he, he he's never even had those. So one thing I'll say is, um, so my oldest son, I was eating a, a plant-based diet with some fish. And so for him, I just followed the standard American diet. And so up to, I think, even three, he did eat mostly, you know, like all the applesauces and, oh, snack, have him snack all the time, and then he don't want the big meals. Once it became meat-based, uh, it, it changed. We had a few weeks of struggle, but eventually he got mm -hmm. hungry. And then it's like yeah. he was, you know, then meat became his friend. So I think even with yep. people or kids that have been eating the standard American diet and eating a lot of the series, which my kid did, but eventually with the introduction of meats and just saying, well, sorry, there's no cereal. So yep. if you're not going to eat this, there's nothing else. They will get hungry. Yes, and I think that's and, and I think it's very important for me to confirm and validate that is not bad parenting. You are not being mean. It's okay if you if you put some junk on the table or in as opposed to junk, you put really good quality human food, which is meat and veg, on the table. If your child's like, I don't want any of that, it's perfectly awesome parenting to say, Okay, go play, I'll see yeah. you later. Because guess what? When kids get truly hungry, not just when it's time to eat, 
when they get truly hungry, uh, they're hardwired yeah. to love meat. It's really hard for a child not, if they're truly hungry, they're going to eat the meat. And then once they, they feel that feeling and they get that, that sensation of fullness and, and just being satisfied, they'll love me. Yeah, that's going to happen. And you, like you said, it might take a week or two of a bit of a struggle, but I think it can be done very lovingly, very gently, uh, very slowly. And even if your child has been used to nothing but junk for three, four, five, six years of their life, you can wean down the junk and wean up the good, the good quality, real human foods. And before you know it, they'll be eating uh, the right. Right. Foods. And I also think it just starts with the parents, right? So you can practice to your kids, you should eat this way and that way. But I, you know, as a parent, they really learn from the parents. And so that's why initially I yep. was going to get into um, kids nutrition and how to improve our because, you know, our kids nutrition, there's so much dye, there's so much processed food, it's so much bad stuff. And then you can't, there's no wonder why, you know, childhood, childhood obesity, you know, kids are dying earlier than the generation before. But you yep. can't change the child without changing the parent's behavior. And so that's when I went into yep. the adults. Um, yep. I agree. And I think it's very important for parents to show uh, more, than, more often than they tell. You need to be leading by example. Yes. yes. Um, so have you seen anything uh, on the proper human diet, a meat-based diet, ketogenic, that just there's a disease that just kind of doesn't or an imbalance that just doesn't go away? I, well, there's, I mean, there are some conditions that you have for life, and uh, we talk about this on our, our Facebook Lives on Monday night. Uh, I mean, if you have an inborn error of, of metabolism or you have a genetic defect, keto can't, can't fix that. Now, uh, even some of the autoimmune conditions after they progress so far, you're going to improve the severity, and you're going to lessen the frequency of flare-ups by eating a proper human diet, but there's, we're, I mean, we're, we are mortal. We are going to have bad days and we're going to get sick and we're going to have bad things happen to us. And one day, because of being alive, we're going to die. And that's just how it is. But I think that all those days you're alive can be made better or at least less bad by eating a proper human diet, regardless of how severe the condition that you may have is. One question I get within the carnivore space always is, if um, eating too much meat damages my kidneys, right? So what are your thoughts? Is there a limit that we should eat of protein? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that, that is one of the dumbest myths in med. And this myth, this myth has been around for a long time. And it's been well known that it was a myth. I can remember back uh, well before the clinic fire, probably seven years ago, I had a patient I'd sent to uh, nephrology. They came back and said, well, the, doc, the, the kidney doc said I was eating too much meat. I need to not eat so much protein. And they had stage one or stage two CKD, chronic, chronic kidney disease. And I was like, that just doesn't make any, how's that make any sense, right? So I started Googling, and there's just article after article after article, seven, eight years ago, that there's no research to support that whatsoever. That is a, a, a completely theoretical, hypothetical concern that, that control research has never borne it out to show that it's true. And it's well known. Uh, any blogger who blogs about medicine or nutrition has got an article about the myth that meat is bad for your kidneys or the, the myth that protein is bad for your kidneys. There is no research to, to back that up. And so let's go back to rocks are hard and water's wet. Human beings have eaten as much fatty meat as they could get their hands on 
for the entire time they've been on this planet, without exception. And we all have different uh, opinions about how long ago that was, but that's just the truth of the matter. We can, we can do stable carbon and nitrogen isotope analysis on the oldest bones and the oldest teeth you can find, and we can tell how much meat they were eating and how much of this C4 plant and this C3 plant. We can tell all that stuff. Human beings have eaten meat since they've been on the planet. But now too much meat hurts your kidneys. So they're trying to say that water's not wet. And, it's, and so when somebody comes at you with a claim like that, everybody, whether you're a, a healthcare provider or whether you're just a patient and you think you have no right to speak up and say something, you should say to your doctor, so you're telling me meat's bad for my kidneys. Is water bad for me too? Is breathing air bad? Is I'm, I'm sure you believe sunlight's bad because most doctors do, even though we've been playing in the sun every single day of our existence on this planet. Uh, yeah, it's just it's one of those dumb things that somebody thought was a good hypothesis, and it caught on and became very popular. And I think it's because a lot of healthcare providers really believe in their heart that a plant-based diet is probably healthier because meat is so carnal and so enjoyable, it can't be good for you, right? And so that, that, that belief, even if it's an unconscious belief, it, it seeps into their medical practice and it, and it seeps over into their conscious decision-making, but they're not aware of it. And so now they're saying things like, oh, eating this ancestral food is bad for your kidneys. You shouldn't eat that much of this ancestral food. And there's just zero research to bear it out. And it's, it, it, it should be very embarrassing for a doctor to say something like that out loud. But I think many of them right now, they don't know how embarrassing it is to say something like that. But hopefully enough patients ed educated by you and I will go back to them and say, explain that to me, doctor. How is it that a food that we've eaten our entire existence on this planet is now bad for my kidneys? How is that possible? So then what do you think about um, the argument then that if we eat ancestrally, we should also eat the organs, like the nose to tail, do you think on a carnivore diet or a meat-based diet that we should also eat the organs? I, I personally do. I think that organs are, the, I mean, there's without, you can't even <laughs> argue the fact that uh, liver is, is the ultimate superfood on the planet. There is no plant, there's no other cut of animal that I know of that has as many vitamins, minerals, uh, you know, and uh, fatty acids, amino acids as liver. It's just, it, it is the best food on the planet for human beings and for dogs and cats and probably other carnivores as well. But I, 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 you and I both know carnivores who have been eating nothing but um, muscle uh, meat, uh, striated muscle meat for 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, and they're great. They do great. They look great. They feel great. So do I believe that it's absolutely essential? I still, I kind of do, but I don't have any, I don't have any proof yet to bear that out. I almost feel like that if you go on a, a, just a muscle meat carnivore diet, that it's kind of the same thing as a, as a vegan diet. It's going to be amazing for a few mm -hmm. years, but then eventually you're going to wind up with some deficiencies if you're not eating the organs too. But that's just a hypothesis. And as you know, I'm happy to be proven wrong. And so, you know, when Sean Baker's been eating nothing but ribeye for 45 years and he's still deadlifting <laughs> 800 pounds, I will be happy to be proven wrong. But, but I just, I mean, there's ample paleoanthropological evidence that we've been eating organs and, and then, uh, you know, the ethnographic data 
if the the organs delivers always safe for pregnant women or for for the youngest or the old i mean that we always have made special provision for the organs and if you look at a cookbook even back in the 1910s or the 1890s there's 8000 recipes for every single organ in a, a a mammal's body and so i mean i i personally think you should eat your organs if you don't like them take one of the desiccated organ supplements until you learn to like them but I'm happy to be proven wrong. I, I, this is not my, my way of arguing with sure. anybody or saying they're wrong. That's just what I personally believe based on what I know. You know time. what's interesting is um, when I first got into the space, I saw the kind of anecdotal stories of, hey, you just eat muscle meat. You just you know follow all of these rules. And, hey, I've been doing this for X amount of years, and I am doing well. And as I've been working with more clients, um, I noticed that there were deficiencies based on tests that we ran. Not And it could have been just improved from what they were eating prior, so we don't have that data. Yep. But what then I just started digging into all the nutritional nuances per um, actual meat. So we know that ribeyes are really nutrient-dense. We know that ground beef, we know all of this. But what about the percentages daily values? Granted, we don't have to meet all of those. But when I looked into it, so muscle meat is really deficient in B1. Even if you ate beef liver, it's actually def deficient in thiamine. Maybe we don't need a ton that's the part that's who knows. But if you eat like fish or salmon or pork, they're really high in thiamine. So I, over yep. the years, I've just come to the conclusion that if you want to do meat based long term, you have to eat a variety. So the organ meats is a smart way to do it. But some people don't like um, organ meat. So then it's like, fine, then make sure to get the grass fed butters or the regular butters and get the eggs, get the, the fish, the chicken, the pork, like have variety, because that's the safest way to then not have the nutritional deficiency. And so that's kind of where I landed. Who knows for sure, right? But um, I think it just yep. makes a lot more sense from a, a true just like looking at the nutritional numbers and data. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that's exactly the right way to think of it. Why would you not want to eat the rainbow <laughs> of animal foods? I mean, you, should, you know, why would right. you not? They're delicious. Uh, and so I think as some of us, not all, not everybody who's just a muscle meat uh, carnivore advocate, but some of them are becoming a bit apostolic mm -hmm. in their beliefs and in their, their presentations to other people and how they, you know, they're really becoming guarded like, no, damn it, it's, it's red muscle meat and that's it, nothing else, or you're not doing this right. If it, if it comes from an animal, if it's a part of an animal, that's carnivore. I mean, I don't know how you can argue with that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think as any diet becomes, and I'm so glad, so you call it the proper human diet, and there's no kind of dogma in that space because it's a spectrum, which is really good. But, you know, people fall into these dogmas of like, well, I've been sharing that I eat this way, and so I can't change from that. And it's like, no, you actually can. We're human. Yeah. We change, right? That's we right. shift. And so I love that you yeah. are saying that because I see the dogmas basically in any diet there are more dogmatic people that say if you don't do all of this then you are not a carnivore or vegan or whatever it is and then if you don't do this then you know you're not that but it's a spectrum like you're saying i mean if you eat mostly yeah. meat-based and you like you're saying the proper human diet that is what's ideal and then all these other smaller nuances right whether you eat the grass-fed or the grain-fed or you eat the veggies or a ton of veggies or you know whatever um, that's where it's very bio-individual. And I think that's the important yep. message that I'd love for the community to share more and more rather than, no, you eat this, oh, no, you're not this label anymore, right? Because that's where it's 
people right. brand new right. to this get so confused and they're like oh my gosh there's yeah. so many rules nuances i can't eat this kind of meat that kind of meat i'm just gonna go back to the way i was eating because yep. there were no rules then and that's the worst thing yes that's the worst thing that that we can yes. do and by we i mean you and i and other influencers in this space is to turn people off because we're so dogmatic and there's so many rules. That's why I've got my five rules, right? And and there's really only four. The the number five is repeat the next day. So I mean anybody can follow those rules. And and I defy you to find someone who's pre-diabetic or type two diabetic, has fatty liver, is obese, even uh, has any chronic medical condition. If they follow those five steps they are going to notice some degree of improvement in their chronic medical conditions and the severity of them and the symptoms of them. And that's the thing that gets people to come and stay. When they can say, just like uh, my friend Lisa, I was, just saw her Facebook post, she's type 2 diabetic, morbidly obese. She's lost 35 pounds in three months. She's lost I don't know how many inches. When that happens, people stay, right? right? But the thing that's going to run them off is, is being dogmatic, being hard-nosed, saying you're either, you either eat only this or you're not a fill-in-the-blank. This is not – I mean, you know, nobody gets to kick anybody off the island. Right. Nobody, none, nobody owns the island. We're all on this island together. And what we're all really trying to do, and I think if people had this attitude, it would help them to not be so dogmatic and be keto police and, and carnivore Nazis. We're, what we're all doing is we're all bumbling around in the dark trying to rediscover the proper human diet because we've been so tricked and misled by the big food manufacturers, by certain religions who really want us to eat plants, by big pharma. They, they're very happy for you to eat lots of plants because they know you're going to need lots of pills if you right. do. Uh, big medicine is off the reservation because most of them believe in their secret heart that we should eat plant-based and so we, it, we're all just bumbling around. Let me try this. So just like when I started, I tried paleo for a couple of years. Helped a little, not much. And then I tried low carb, then keto. And, you know, and I just kept, I kept honing and saying, well, this is not helping me. All these sweet potatoes and spaghetti squash and quinoa on this paleo diet, I, I'm pretty sure that's what's keeping me fat. And so when I got rid of all those carbs and, got, and went low carb keto, immediately the gut started to go away. And so that's, that, there needs to be room to play and room to experiment or then it, it's just a dogma at that point and that's not fun. Nobody wants to know. Yeah, I, I just want to share a story that I uh, mentioned recently. But, you know, when what, some of it's dogma, but then there's some of it's like fear-mongering, like maybe you have this, right? Or if you eat this, you're going to get that, right? And so, you know, the thing is, I have worked with clients that are probably some of the sickest in the community. And so they just want to get better, right? So this is what I was saying is that I get that maybe if you want to get the six pack abs, you want to look like a bikini uh, body model, um, you know, all of these really like fine tuning where then maybe you have to do certain levers that are not really the average American. But the average yep. American majority, like the percentage of obesity in just 10 years went up by 10 million people. So something is wrong with our diet and we're getting sick. And if there are people that would just support a proper human diet, meat-based diet and share with community members like, hey, if you can't stop eating sugar, maybe just eat more meats and veggies 
And then maybe you will feel better and then you don't feel that addiction, right? Because I always say addiction with sugar comes into steps. One is physical and one is mental. So if you nourish the body, then you could fight the physical, uh, the mental and emotional side. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to fight a craving or an addiction when you're also hungry, yes, yes. physically hungry. And so that I think your advice is spot on. If you're if you're hungry, you need to eat your meat. Yes. Until you're comfortably stuffed. And then you're not fighting the craving and the hunger at the same time because every human on the planet is gonna fail. If you're hungry and you're also craving something, you're gonna fail. You're gonna go you're gonna eat the lucky charms. It's right. gonna happen. If you because you, you cannot win fighting both those battles at the same exactly. time. But if you combat the hunger by filling your gut up with meat then all you have to fight is just the mental craving, right? The psychological craving, it, may, it makes it less hard to do Absolutely. that. And, and, it's, and eventually you overcome that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm coming from somewhere that I was plant-based for 12 years and I struggled with the massive eating disorder and postpartum depression. And I can say nourishing my body with a meat-based diet, um, I don't struggle with depression anymore. And that's why I became such an advocate because... Yeah. I was told in these eating disorder therapies, the psychiatrist, that I was just wired a little broken, right? So I needed antidepressants for the rest of my life. And I believed them. And as soon as I started eating meat, things changed for me. And I got really upset, right? So then as I dug into it, and I realized Good. everything I was taught was wrong. And, and so oh. that's why I share. And you know, going back to what I was saying about, so there was this one client where she was morbidly obese. She um, hasn't seen her son since this whole pandemic has happened, started crying on me. And I started crying with her because she's like, I just want to get better so I could see my son because I haven't for over a year. And that's when I think, who cares about these little nuances of you shouldn't eat this or you shouldn't eat that. Like all we know is eat more of an ancestral way or a proper human diet way or meat-based. And her chance of seeing her son is so much higher. And that's where exactly. these dogmas and these little nuances yeah. and fear mongering and for hormones and whatever, it's, it's, it may affect a small population, but the mass majority of America needs people like us to share this word and then the other people in the, our communities to then share the word more so that all exactly. these people in America can actually hear about this kind of way of eating. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the infighting, it, it does not help people who are out there suffering and sick. That, that, that doesn't help them at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so where can people find your book? Um, and well, actually, right before that, so any kind of final tips or, you know, um, something that you want to share with the community that's watching? I it just realize that we are a specific species of mammal. We are. That's what we are. We're warm-blooded. We nurse our offspring. We are a mammal, okay? Every mammal on the planet, there is a specific diet for them. It, uh, it, 10, 20 years ago, zoos would just give monkeys bananas and just give them cereal, and all the monkeys were obese in the zoo. They all had type 2 diabetes, right? And so finally the zoos had to stop that because it, it was obviously animal cruelty. They were feeding the monkeys an inappropriate species diet. And so they had to stop that. And so now in, in the zoos, the lions eat meat. 
and the monkeys they have they have a chow that's made from their ancestral foods and now the monkeys look fine again there's no more fat monkeys at the zoo that people used to laugh at if you feed a cat a grain-based kibble they're gonna get fatty liver and go blind and have type 2 diabetes because that's not a species appropriate diet if you feed a human an inappropriate diet for our species, we will get fat, we will get sick, we will get fatty liver, we will develop autoimmune conditions, we will develop chronic inflammation. 90% of all that crap out there that they advertise all those pills for on television is completely preventable or at least partially reversible by getting the slow poison pseudo frankenfoods that are made in a chemical factory out of your diet. They're not real food. Real food is meat and veg. That's and when I say meat, I mean anything that comes off an animal's body, including eggs. Meat and veg, that's real food for human beings. If you're eating anything that's not meat and veg, that's inappropriate. And that's that has the potential to lead to uh, chronic disease. I I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. So where can people find you? I mean, I think most people know where you are, but where can people find you, your book, uh, what's it called, and, you know. Yeah, so the book is called Lies My Doctor Told Me. There's a, a Kindle version, a, a paperback, and an Audible if you have attention deficit like I do and you have to be listening to an Audible while you're doing something else. They have an Audible, and it's available at all bookstores that I know of. It's actually available in, in about seven different languages oh, now. Wow. I just found that out the other day. You would think your publisher would like <laughs> send you an email and be like, huzzah, you're published in Japan. But they didn't do that. So I had no idea. And somebody sent me a picture. They were in Japan and saw my book. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I emailed Victory Belt and said, how many languages? And I had six or seven. I don't know. That's awesome. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I've got a YouTube channel. I try to post at least, uh, at least two to three new videos every week. I've got one right now I'm editing. And I'm going to post it later this evening. If you just search for Dr. Barry on YouTube, you should find me. I've got a Facebook page that I always post to. And, and every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central, Nisha, my wife and I, Nisha loves it, we go live together. Sometimes baby Beckett is on the live with us. Sometimes if he's being a little turd, he is not on the live with us. You just never know how that's going to go. And so we try to answer for one solid hour. Every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central, we try to answer as many questions about keto, carnivore, ketovore, fasting, nutrition, medicine as we can in one solid hour. And uh, so we do that. If I'm feeling particularly snarky, I'll get on Twitter. And if I'm feeling particularly loving, I'll jump on Instagram and post something. I'm on all social media. I'm on Clapper and TikTok. I'm all over the place because, you know, bank robbers rob banks because that's where the money is. And I'm, my job is to help people have better health. So I need to go where the people are. Don't yeah, I? no, that's great. And your content is very easy to absorb. And so that's, you know, and it's, you know, evidence-based and backed by science, but it's so, um, even I will sometimes go on your YouTube and like, what did Barry say about this thing? <laughs> right? And it's just these quick snippet videos and it's great. So, I mean, thank you for all you do. And I'm sure there are so many people that are grateful for all that you do, but just thank you. And thank you for, you know, writing the forward for the book. I've always been very grateful and indebted. So yeah, I'm very proud of that book. You did such an excellent job. I've got it right here on the, the bookcase. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so, you know, thanks again for joining me today, and I will share with the community. I'll keep this on um, the page. Absolutely. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to okay. you later. Thanks Bye. So Take care. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.